Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hey, Jenny, how are you today? I am awesome. It is a bright and early in the morning, which I love. I did spend too much time relaxing in my bathtub this morning. It was almost late for recording, technically actually late. But if you ignore that, doing so well. How about you? I'm doing well, too. It is a it is a lovely day here and a, li- a little cooler than it's been. It's a little cooler here, too. And yesterday was very dreary, so I'm hopeful that today won't be, hey, you're using your East Fork mug. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I just have to make a pause for this because I spent this morning in the tub watching Instagram, but also Googling to try and find a particular thing I want to make and get some tips on how to do it. And um, first off, it means I'm going to do some hand sewing, which we talked about in our last episode with our guest, Brooks Ann Camper. I'm going to like the tiniest bit. I'm going to spend 30 seconds doing some hand sewing, but it's... um, East Fork, this it all ties in, I swear to you. East Fork makes these little bowls they call bitty bowls that are about, I don't know, two and a half inches across, very shallow. And I have a number of those. And I thought, oh, you know what these would make? These would make awesome pin cushions. <laughs> and so I'm going to cut a circle. Um, I haven't decided what size yet, but we're going to figure that out as I go along. I'm going to cut a circle and I'm going <clears> to <throat> stuff it with scraps, like hard, like, tiny minced I'm going to mince my scraps and I'm going to stuff this piece of fabric with the scraps and hand sew to gather at the bottom Mm -hmm. so that it's a very small excess below the gathering Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hot glue that puppy into my little bitty bowl and I'm going to have the most adorable (laughs) pin cushion I'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for reminding me of that okay that's awesome Okay, oh we have uh, Stocks Patterns is sponsoring us this month with three of their patent apron bat- patterns. This is the perfect apron for to wear when crafting, cooking, or gardening. And um, it has the the clicky thing for, for the belt instead of tying it. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is that called? I don't know. I call them clicky things too. It's yeah. what a clip maybe? Are they called clips? I don't know, but it's a, it's like a utility belt clippy thing. Yeah. Like a belly bag would have or a fanny yeah. pack if you prefer. Um, yeah. And it's got big pockets, a bit, a big singular pocket that seems to be accessed from the side instead of straight down. Yeah. Which I also love about it. It's a really neat one. So, um, with luck, you'll win it. And if not, no, you can go and buy it because everyone wants to support our sponsors, obviously. That's right. <laughs> and if you would like to sponsor a prize for our show, all you have to be, all you have to do is be willing to uh, send the prize anywhere in the world. And, uh, that's obviously easiest for folks to do PDFs, but also, um, plenty of folks have sent actual physical products in yeah. the mail around the world. So please just DM us in Instagram or email us at punkfrockers at gmail.com. Absolutely. And we appreciate that. Can I tell you what I've been sewing? Yes, please do. Oh my gosh. Okay. So our topic this week is absolutely perfect for what I've been doing because what I have been doing is my PF Stretch Yourself project, which by the way, how impressed are we that I'm actually sticking with one of our hashtags so far? 
I mean, are I know you it's ta- only- But are you tagging your makes? I am. <gasps> I'm tagging them. Now, I think there are some I've missed, but I've tagged a bunch of them um, because I talk about it as my PF Stretch Yourself project, which is to take, just to recap, to take DIY Daisies, book, sew it yourself, and make all of the wearables, like clothing wearables, I'm not making myself scrunchies for what I hope are obvious reasons if you've seen my profile <laughs> picture. But, and I'm not making headbands either. They're not for me, but clothing style wearables. Um, and I am loving it. I'm having a really good time with this and I'm discovering ways in which I would adjust those patterns for my fatter body. But I'm also discovering um, patterns I thought I'd have to do a lot with that I don't, which is kind of oh, cool that's too. awesome. So I have made two of the trapezoid skirts. Um, the trapezoid skirt is also available on DIY Daisy's website as a free pattern. So you can go off and take a look at that. Um, the first one I made was in a rust colored linen. And I made it using exactly the formula that Daisy provides. The second one I made, I made out of a canvas um, that's a Ruby Star canvas printed with typewriters all over it. I used the gold background canvas, the like goldenrod tanny background canvas. And for that one, I cut the the waist. I made it wider. Basically, I added an extra eight inches of ease, so four inches per front and back of ease to this one. And I switched from the recommended, I want to say, inch elastic to two inch no roll elastic and I love the look on this one it's like that two inch no roll elastic makes it feel like a high waistband because Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. the bottom of it sits on your waist and the two inches go above it so it feels like a high-waisted skirt and I love there's something about the way that the amount of fullness I've got there pulls together as gathers on the waistband that I love to death Like, I think that look is just so nice. And I realized when I looked at it that there's a, there's a vendor I bought a denim skirt from called Connolly McDougal. And you can see the link to that on my Instagram because I have posted that skirt online. And the way that their back elastic or their elastic all the way around waistband looks is exactly like mine does when I, when I made these changes to the pattern. And I just, I love it. It's exactly what I wanted from an elastic waist skirt, which is something I never would have thought I would want. But I do want. I love this. This is probably my new go-to skirt pattern for wovens. I am so in love. Now, I also did the two-tone skirt, <clears throat> which is a um, the same design, but but instead of one color front and back, you're taking, you're cutting one, like the front out of green and the back out of yellow is what I did. And then using your rotary cutter or scissors to do a squiggle, like a curved shape from the center of the waistband to the center of the hem. And then you swap the pieces and sew them back together. So you have almost a yin yang looking like Mm -hmm. because of the way the shape is um, out of two colors. And I really enjoyed sewing that up too. Although I think the colors I used a lime sort of both of them are sort of highlighter colors, highlighter green and highlighter yellow. And I think they were too similar to each other to look great. I've seen some other versions of this, like black and white, navy and tan that look better. And so I'm going to do this one again with the the wider, the wider cut out original piece and then two colors that are higher contrast. Nice. So I, I liked it. It was just a neat design. And then I sewed two more skirts. These are the Sonia ruffle skirts. 
this is a skirt that is more of a rectangle with a ruffle at the bottom. And you could probably make some guesses as to how to design this yourself without needing the book because it is more of a rectangle with a ruffle at the bottom. But I found the instructions to be clear. I thought the size that they had me cut it seemed reasonable. Although again, for me, I'm likely to add some additional ease to it because of the look I prefer Mm -hmm. and use that two inch no roll elastic. I made one out of um, window pane fabric that's black and white. And I used two different window panes. They're both linen cotton blends, but one of them was a thicker window pane and the other was thinner. And I put them together into one skirt. And then the the second one that I made was an apple green linen. Um, and all of all of this I'm doing in basically linens or linen weights, very similar to the first version. I'm doing all of them out of linens from Fabrics Store, the IL-19, because I want to get an idea of what they're like in similar fabrics so that I'm not comparing drape types or getting lost in patterns, right? So the first versions are always out of a solid linen. And then I made the Rosebud Raglan, which is a raglan top. It's like similar to the raglan that you see in the um, Ariadne and, no, Adriana and Adrienne Mm -hmm. from Friday Pattern Company, and um, as well as their Avenir jumpsuit. It's a similar concept, Mm -hmm. but DIY Daisy has you starting with rectangles and cutting those arm size based on set measurements. And um, what I did learn is, something that I'll see in another dress that I'm going to make upcoming that I think that arm side cut is too deep, that it's based on a way of measuring my body that because of my chest ends up with the arm side being like really near my waist, which is not normally where I want the end, even of a raglan arm side to hit. So on the first one, I cut it as intended. On the second one, I subtracted a set number of inches to make the arm size shorter. They both look great. There isn't a lot of visual difference in how they looked when I made them um, because I think because it's a it's a bodice that has an elasticized waist on it. So they're just, you're not going to notice that necessarily. And I've made that out of a black and white window pane. I did um, white bodice and black sleeves on the first version I made and the second version I made out of the typewriter fabric so I can wear them together and they are the most overwhelming dress ever. And I (laughs) love them so much. That's great. That's great. So I had a lot of fun with these. I think the biggest thing I learned is that the arm side depth as calculated just doesn't seem right to me. And I'll change that in future ones. But but otherwise, I, I think these were all just really great, even on my body size. That's awesome. Yeah, I had so much fun. What did you do? Well, um, I made a dress for my upcoming trip to Portugal and also just for all summer long, which is the Savi Sundress by Sohouse 7. Uh, there's a couple of views on that dress. They have an interesting way of making the pocket that I absolutely love. The pocket is, um, so the dress does not have a, a waistline on it. So you'd imagine, oh, I'm going to have this damn floppy pocket if I have yeah. a pocket at all. But you don't. Um, they have a nice little cutout for where the pocket goes with a small facing there. And then you actually sew down a already, like a a, a pocket that's been finished. on. So okay. it just kind of goes flat against there and it stays in place. It's awesome. Okay. I used a royal blue linen from Merchant and Mills. It's their lighter weight linen. It costs slightly less, but still is expensive. Um, I did do a um, a twall of the bodice on that to make sure that it would fit right and everything. And I think I made a couple of adjustments. But 
I love this pattern. I love how it came out. Um, it looks, it looks great. I think the next time I might even try, there's a, there's a version that has a little elastic to give you a waist, which I usually don't like, but I think maybe I would like to try that and see, you know, if I, if I do like that version, I recommend that pattern though from So House 7. And one good thing with So House 7, they have separate websites for the larger version and the smaller version, but you get all of the sizes when you purchase the pattern. So you get from the smallest to the largest size. So hmm. I appreciate it. It's kind of, kind of interesting that they, they don't market them together though. I think it's weird. Um, but I think even some of the pictures are the same in them. Like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't know why they do that. Maybe originally you had to buy one or the other and now you get all of it, but, um, it's, it's a lot easier if they just put it in one, but it maybe, is, you know, they don't exactly listen to me. Um, <laughs> so and the other should. thing that I made was another <laughs> pair of the sports shorts by Friday pattern company. And this is a pay as you wish pattern. I have made previously two versions, um, both in uh, non-stretch woven, which is what the pattern is designed for. I bought some stretch woven, like poly spandex kind of stuff that's, that is a woven, not a knit, but, um, is still stretchy for the gym. I'm, I made them and, and they, they work. They function. They're all right. I, I don't. It's not the pattern. The pattern is beautiful. I just, I don't love them as my gym shorts. Okay. So, okay. I'll still I mean, wear it's them. a good learning opportunity, right? I mean, yeah, right. so that's fabulous. So new patterns. Um, let's talk about Sohouse 7's regalia blouse. So what do you think of this? I think I would like to make it, but that I would never really want to wear it. Yeah. So it's got a lot of features that I really love. It's got a yoke that comes up at above your bust line. Looks like yeah. it's your, your, um, eye bust line. possibly, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Kind of that armpit line. It's got gathered sleeves. I love that they end at the elbow. They're gathered at the top and they end at the elbow with a gather for one version, which uh-huh. is my preferred version of the garment. It looks to me like it's made out of a beautiful, um, linen or organic cotton woven with a dyed, like that's been dyed by a human. It's just, it's a really nice image they've chosen. Mm-hmm. What I, what I cannot get on board with is that really high neckline. That's true. That is a really high neckline. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's an interesting, so that the neckline on it is almost like a collar, right? Yeah. And it, I think that means there should be, so it has a stand-up <laughs> collar and it has a keyhole opening for the back, which yeah. you need. Um, front and back yokes with gathered front and back lower bodices. There's one yeah. length that's cropped hem and one that's a tuck-in length. And this one sleeve is gathered at the shoulder and narrows at the wrist. And the other is gathered at the shoulder and gathers into a cuff. Yeah. So, And then they and said there's an a- optional tool sleeve yeah. head hook. Which is great because it makes those sleeves even poofier. I like it. I think the thing that would slow me down is I'm not convinced it would look as good with a scoopier neck. Like, I think that stand-up collar is part of what makes this look. I I do think it has a vaguely vintage feel to it. it Like, I can imagine Gibson girling this. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. There's something about it. I do like it. I don't think I'd like it on me. I think I would look, because of my the 
my perception of my shoulders being broad, like I think, yeah. I don't know that it would look as good on me, but the more I see it, like when I first saw it, I'm like, I don't need that. And then I, the more I see it, I'm like, I kind of like that. So I, I, think a lot I of really like it, especially yeah. in the cropped length. I think it'd be great to pair with skirts. I, I like it. I just, I know myself, eventually I'll probably buy it and make it and then I'll sell it because it'll turn out to be something I'm not going to wear a bunch, Yeah, but I really like it. Yeah. Um, sort of reminds me of sagebrush a little bit. Yeah. Has a, has a feel of that. Yeah. Um, the next one though is one that I just about died when it came out. It's the style arc hope expansion pack. And believe you me, when I say I have this sitting already, I've ordered my copy from the plotted pattern to get it printed on that tissue paper that I like. Mm-hmm. And it is sitting here already because I am so ready to dive into all of these expansions, including the one with the buttonholes. But the one I'm most excited about is doing the version. They've got three different bodices. One is, um, one is a front with a slit and a tie to close it. Mm-hmm. One is a split front, but it's buttoned all the way up. Mm-hmm. And one is an overlap. So a, a faux wrap. style bodice top and these are all for the style arc hope woven dress which is a raglan sleeve dress with a slightly higher than waist length um waist and a gathered skirt so it's a fairly basic dress but it is one that i've made 14 or 15 of and um and i i just just love it i love that dress so what i want to do is the bodice b which is the wrap the faux wrap bodice and i want to pair it with they have three sleeves i want to pair it with the sleeve that ends at the elbow with a wide cuff uh-huh but i'm also intrigued by the sleeve that ends at the just above the elbow with some weird tuck gathering things that pull the sleeve up so it's like it's like gathered on the elbows, the inner elbow side of it to make yeah, an interesting. They call it elbow length, double tuck drape sleeves. Yeah, that one. I want to do that. <laughs> I'm less intrigued by the sleeve that ends in elastic at your mid arm because I've already done that one repeatedly on my hope. That was something I did a lot of. <laughs> I would say that double tucked one. I would imagine, you know, that's not, so occasionally I end up leaving my laundry to sit before I and I don't put it away right away. And then you have yeah. to iron it. I would think that would not <laughs> that would not iron that well. Right. Wait, wait, you have to iron things you leave sit in the dryer too long? If they're all wrinkled. No one told me that. <laughs> but I would imagine that would be difficult to iron, that double drape. I, it does I'm feel like it, but it also feels like part of its purpose is to maybe not have to iron. So. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I like this one very much. I think it's a really neat addition and some of the versions they've offered here are solutions for patterns that never came in the right sizing anyway there's a really popular mccall's pattern that swept the internet a year ago and Mm -hmm. the faux wrap bodice version you could take that with any of the other sleeves and get to something that's really similar to that mccall's version and so i i think there's great potential here and i also love that it opens up this idea of giving you permission to be creative with a standard pattern that you've liked because uh, honestly none of these adjustments are the sort where i should have needed a pattern to come out to be willing to do them Mm -hmm. but apparently i did i needed permission 
<laughs> to make these changes. And I'm really excited to have that permission and to have that pattern extension here for me to start working with as well. Yeah, because, you know, you prefer to be doing the sewing. And so it's nice that somebody else is yeah. doing the pattern drafting. I'm loving it. So cool. Okay. So the next one on our list is this very feminine looking pattern. It's from Tilly and the Buttons. This pattern goes up to a maximum 61 inch hip and it's the Mabel dress and blouse. And it is a square neck with, um, let's see. I, I, oh, I did not include their, their, uh, description, but the square neck is kind of gathered in at the front with a little bow and, um, the, there's a lot of shearing in it. So um, this is a lot of times Tilly and the Buttons has like, a, you know, like something you learn from doing their pattern. And if you don't and and they have very good instructions in general in their patterns. So if you haven't done shearing before and you'd like to learn, this might be a good pattern for you because it has shearing at the waist and at the bottom of the um, sleeves, whether you have the long sleeves or the elbow length sleeves. Yeah, absolutely. And they it's got that square neck that looks less square than it is because it's elasticized. That's yes. really what's what's changing the shaping on that. Um, I I love this one, but I haven't bought it yet. It is one I'm very interested in, and I'd like to make the short shorter sleeve version with the midi dress length. So I'd I like think to put it would look great on you. This is on like, the other one. This is like a dress I could totally see on you. Oh like, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And when I finally sat down and played with using the elasticized thread in my bobbin. Instead of being scared of it, I discovered how simple it was to actually make it work for me. And so I, I think I could be really successful with this one as well. You know what I think now, this would be great for as well is if you like to do uh, like cosplay for um, like Renaissance Fair stuff. It would be an underdress for sure. Yeah, yeah. It'd be really cool for that. Because so. you could you could pop on a variety of sort of corseted overdresses yeah. that would look really great with this. I agree. Um, and then our final one, we talked about a little bit uh, last week because I did the Tesso for it. It's Chris Wood's Dewdrop Tunic. Now, the tunic and cover-up is made out of squares of fabric, as many things are for Chris Wood's, because Chris Wood is committed to the low-waist pattern design. Um, and in this case, what makes it really unique is it's got a split hem that's elasticized front and back. And those armholes are elasticized to help draw up the sides of the, the garment a little bit. My adjustments to it definitely involved adding length to the bottom hem so that I would end up with a dress dress because the side split is just too high um, for it to function for me. And that side split is part of the appeal on it. So I added maybe six inches to this garment to make it successful for me. I, I really like it. It's it's made out of obviously at least the two pieces because you've got a a yoke that's a different color than the rest of the garment. It is very straight fitting. This is not not a body conscious garment like the uh, like the Mabel that we just talked about is. Mm -hmm. um, but it's but it's loose. It's simple. It's easy to make. I also adapted mine to have a square neckline because the boat neck that is common in some Chris Woods designs. I just, in the end, it irritates me right at the base of my throat. And so if I, I irritate I, me too. So that's, that's a, that's yeah. an interesting thing. So if I didn't square neck it, I would be likely to scoop it. Or oftentimes what I'll do is I'll just include a split that goes down four inches that's or so. That's a good idea. That's and a good it, idea. it solves the problem for me. So, so um, like about how much fabric did, did it require for you to make this? Do you remember? 
I'm going to say it it didn't take more than two yards total to make it. That's great. That's great because that's something I can see. That would be something I could wear to work all the time, though, especially the way the, the it's this is a photo from her website. I've included yep. it in our show notes, but the way that person has it wearing, except for I'd have closed toed shoes on, but the, you know, over a pair of jeans, it's exactly yeah. the kind of thing I'd like to wear to work. Um, looks it's a hundred percent meant for that. It's exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's great. I, I think the big change you'd need to make is just to adjust that neckline, but that neckline would be so easy to change. Um, So, and the square neckline version that I do, um, I got from another Chris Wood sews pattern Mm -hmm. (laughs) is Mm -hmm. how to do that square neckline. So it's definitely, if you can find anybody else doing low waist stuff, you can find a thousand alternatives for that neckline, Um, probably free online to go with the pattern that you purchased from Chris. So that one's really nice. But this week, what I want to talk about, and it's probably because of my PF stretch yourself, I want to talk about sewing books. Because sewing books to me are such an interesting resource that I've discounted so heavily in the past. Because you know what sewing books don't do? They don't come up to my body size. Yeah. Um, they often just completely fucking ignore the fact that fat people exist. And so I've found them to be demoralizing in the past. But recently... I've started really hitting the fashion section and the craft and sewing section in my favorite used bookstores really hard to look for things that might have potential. And what I'm going to say next is super duper controversial and I understand it. I have a three ring binder notebook that I keep that I have sleeves in. (laughs) And when I find a shitty ass book that doesn't have anything for my body size in it, but has some tip or trick I want to keep, I cut that page out and I put it in my notebook sleeves and I get rid of the rest of the book. I don't think that's controversial. I think <laughs> like it's your book. You do what you want. Um, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. So I, I, I totally mention, do that. I did want to mention another thing. Um, people know this probably, but I wanted to mention that a lot of sewing books, uh, they use language in, in addition to the fact that they do not have the size that a good size range. They use language that is very gendered and very like focused on flattering and yeah, minimizing the look. Yeah, there's a lot of fat bias in there and a lot of like assumptions about male, female bodies and stuff. So anyways, uh just wanted to put that little warning out I there. Think, I think that's super smart. Yeah. Because it is there, are, especially when you go back into older and older and older books, it gets, even more regressive the further back you go to to just to just ridiculous lengths so that is important to call out for sure but I wanted to talk about like some of my favorite books some of your favorite books some of your like what is what does and doesn't work for us um and if you didn't mind I wanted to start with just an assortment of books that I've recently bought at used bookstores and I don't have links for each of these because they're kind of random I do there are links in the show notes for a bunch of other books that we'll talk about but I wanted to start with sort of like a discount book like the fashion design workshop which I bought for a quarter this is a coloring book sized book that is soft bound and it is um, intended for, it states, uh, up-and-coming designers. And it is uh, from you, 2000. I know, right? It's from 2011. And it has a lot of things about how to color in your croquis. So like yeah. the kinds of pen strokes you might make to indicate <laughs> fur versus something else. It's got 
how to create tartans and how to create create certain types of gathering in your illustrations because it is firmly aimed at how to illustrate clothing on croquis in order to design garments. And for a quarter, I'm like, this is pretty awesome. I like this. Now, every single body in this thing is slim. There are no depictions of fatter bodies at any point throughout this entire thing. But one of the things I found super interesting about it was that it gives you as a base line drawings of people Mm -hmm. to use that you can then add your own body on top of (laughs) if you don't want to make a croaky, which I I found was very interesting as well. So I, I love this. And for a quarter, I'll buy almost anything that claims to have some information about sewing or pattern drafting or designing because probably as I flip through it, I'm either going to have a really good laugh or I'm going to find something I may be able to move forward. In the case of this book, how you can illustrate different properties of fabric on a body is the thing I found most interesting in here. How to make it clear that what you're designing is sequins instead of fur, instead of plain woven. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought that was a neat piece of data in that book. So another one that I thought was fun, um, I think I've sent you a copy of one of these styles of books, is there are some Japanese sewing project books by, by oh, something yeah. called Zaka. Yeah. And I love the simple designs in here. And I think a lot of them are like really practical to actually make. And so yeah. for me, Zaka Sewing, um, which is a more recent set of books, the ones I've got at any rate are from the 2000, let's see, this particular one is 2008. So they're no more than, you know, 15 years old, which I guess is really old now that I think about it. But I, I like this style of sewing books. So I have, I have purchased for two to five dollars three different ones of these that I have at my house that are different, like little sewing patterns, a lot of which would be great if you sew for craft fairs or other things like that as well. You know, it's also just like something fun to do for a day too. Like if you don't want something big, like one of the projects in this book you sent me, this, you sent me the Zaka style book. One of them is rain cloud mug rug. And it's basically a coaster that, you know, it has like, like bias binding around it and the sweet stitches for the rain. It's just like, this would be just like a nice, you know, feel good project. I think so. I also think they're great scrap users and they can make for great like gifts. If you're going over to someone's house, you get invited to come over to have dinner one evening. You can make a set of three coasters, five coasters, sure. send them over. I guess I'm making odd numbered coasters. You might make twos or fours as well. But I mean, <laughs> it'd be a quick and easy thing to do for that. So I love that. Another one I got, this one was expensive. This one was like $15 or oh, something. Oh yeah, I have that one. And it's the fifth edition of pattern making for fashion design. And there's definitely a lot of gender assumptions and there's absolutely nothing in it that makes you think that fat people are are acceptable. Um, And in fact, uh, their abdominal thigh illustrations, like to show how abdomens and thighs differ, really doesn't seem to know anything about fat bodies (laughs) at all. Like it, it makes some assumptions that, don't appear to understand how bodies work. Like it's a very weird thing, but what it does have in spades is concepts like if you're making a skirt, what does pleating look like? What are the different types of pleat? How would you put those together and sew them? How should you do darts for skirts? How, what could that look like? 
What's a kimono sleeve look like? If you pivoted darts, what would you do with them in this style of garment? And I find all of that to be kind of interesting. And it was it was $15. It was a bigger expense. Mm-hmm. But for me, with what I want to do with sewing, it felt it felt really reasonable as a way to get some deeper information on particular sewing pattern features. Yeah. If that makes sense. But this last one, which I paid $21 for, I know, and it's used. And I was so excited to get this thing for $21. This is from 2011. And it is called the Fashion Designers Textile Directory. Wow. And what it has in it is, for example, for satin, it has a page that shows you what satin looks like what it drapes like, what different kinds of satin are, what kind of needle you might typically use, what makes it a a strong fabric to use and what makes it a weak fabric to use. So for satin, facts and figures, distinctive features, it's luxurious, luxurious and lustrous surface, a smooth surface, drapey, and the hand is soft, though it is stiffer in the cross grain direction. Mm. Strengths, wonderful surface texture, Good spring and summer fabric. Good choice for dresses and blouses and silk and polyester fiber fabrics. And it shows seeming detail well. Weaknesses. Often shows water spots on the fabric surface easily. Snags easily. Sewing requires a very sharp or ballpoint to avoid snagging. And you have to use a nonstick foot to avoid snagging as well. And so it has things listed. That's really helpful. I found it super interesting. Is that and it goes still in through, print? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's 2011. I don't know. It's barren, so it's like a... But then it shows it's also got, like, kinds of trim and examples of what those are. And, um, gosh, lace edgings and appliques. And it's just a really, really neat book. Organza, Stitched Pleating. Shearing, boucle. I I really liked it. It's called the Fashion Designers Textile Directory by Gail Baugh, B A U G H. And then my very last weird book is when you're doing all of this, sometimes you're going to find things that aren't going to help you sew, but that may help you to understand the industry or fast fashion better and be worthwhile as a as a pickup. In this case, I found this book from, um, this book is originally a mid eighties book, but it is a life history of garment workers in Tijuana in factories. Oh my God. And um, I really enjoyed having the opportunity to understand more about that time period and what people were doing in factories in Tijuana. And it's got photographs in it and it's got stories. And it was just, to me, this was an interesting book just to have about what it looks like to work in factories uh, and garment factories as well in, in Mexico. So yeah. That's awesome. So that's sort of my, like I got, I think I got those in two different shopping trips to my favorite used bookstore. And I just spend my time sort of digging through every book possible in the categories of sewing, crafts, and um, fashion or fashion design, because who doesn't love those kinds of things when they show up? Yeah. 
though. And it looks like Beverly has found and maybe is going to link to the fashion designer's textile directory. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. But I'd like to, if you don't mind, just kind of start in by talking about vintage, vintage selling books. And there are two that I feel like many, many people's homes will have had if you grew up in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> and they are the Reader's Digest Crafts and Hobbies. Yes. Which came with two different covers. One had a blue background, one had more of a tan background. And then the Singer Reference Library. And these books all on the bat, on the edge that faces out when they're on a bookshelf, these were all black bound and had oh. shiny black binding. And they had the name of what they were taking you through. And the, um, the Reader's Digest books and the Singer's Reference Library were things that my house had and I, I have here still, like I have different versions of these. And for Singer, it'd be something like sewing for kids. And it would give you a bunch of techniques and things you could make for kids or sewing for your home or sewing shirts and things like that. They were really, really interesting. But and they have those actually, there's a, several of them being offered at thrift books for anywhere from five to $12. So if, yeah, and I did. That's also true at um, McKay's that I go to in Tennessee, and there are some in North Carolina. They're they're both the type of bookstore where, yeah, you can absolutely frequently find them. And they're often pretty inexpensive. I would say uh, library book sales are another great place to look for these. They're, they're interesting. I don't know that any of them are more information than you'd find easily on the internet these days, but they're sure. interesting to have. What I loved about the Reader's Digest craft book and complete guide to sewing is when I was a child, I would sit and flip through the pages looking for things I could do on rainy days or in the summer or that I thought would make great presents for the, you know, the holidays or whatever else I was doing because to me, well, there was an internet, but this was like a fun way to spend some time was flipping through and understanding what the possibilities looked like. Did you have any of these books in your home when you were growing up? I don't recognize that. So when I was growing up, you know, we moved a lot. So we didn't have a lot of, um, you know, sort of books that you didn't use all the time. And um, yeah, I don't think we had these books when I was growing up. They were so awesome. So when I was growing up, we had a, a room that was our our library it was lined with bookshelves and it just had wow books in it like That's of all awesome. sorts um and it was i think in part because we never moved like we lived in that house from when i was three years old until my mom sold it when i turned 50 i mean so it was an always house but it's also because my mom was the director well I guess I don't know her title but she was a budget director for the library system at a university oh, nice. And my dad was a professor at a university. So books were like having tons of them was just a thing we did. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so that's probably part of how I had these was if we ever bought a book, it was like uncommon that we weren't just going to build another shelf to put books on if we ran out of room. <laughs> well, that Reader's Digest Complete Book Guide to Sewing has been a book that was recommended in my class that I'm taking yeah. um, with Creative Hinterland. And there's a lot of things in there that are very helpful, um, like specifically teaching you how to, you know, create different collar types, create different, you know, so if you want to hack a pattern, it's a very, very useful yep. guide. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And there's, there's so much value to be had in 
older books because sewing, there are things about sewing that have definitely changed over the years, but some of the basic stuff, honestly, there were probably better instructional manuals in books 40 years ago than there are now. If you want to talk about how to hack a collar, I think that's going to be a better topic for a, a book of ago than it is of now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there they do have, so this, I've linked it in the show notes. I think I linked it to Abe Books because this is the one that I got and the one that she recommended is the older version with kind of a tan background. But yeah. There is a new version as well. And she said it's probably fine, but she just didn't have experience with it. And so I just got the one she talked about. But, yeah. um, you know, they talk about a lot of um, basic pattern alterations that are just um, really, really helpful. Um, and they also talk about like, um, if you want to construct darts and things that didn't have darts, yeah. um, methods of putting in elastic waistbands, methods of sleeve, uh, you know, putting in s- sleeves, and just like, Things to consider with welt pockets, um, how to put in like a different, if you, different neck, uh, ways of putting in a zipper at the neckline, if you want exposed or not exposed. It's just really helpful. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's an amazing book. And the other thing for me is just looking at the cover of it. Mm-hmm. It's- I love it's that the cushion my mom had, those orange scissors. We had yeah. dozens of pairs of those. The, just everything about it looks like how I grew up sewing the little wooden spools with the stamped printing on the top. The it uh, just such a memory there. Uh, <laughs> did you have so? I guess you've only been sewing this way recently, and I don't know quite how many people you had in your life who sewed. But the other big thing we had just to go down that path was a melame or plastic faux woven container that held my mom's sewing accessories. And it had a shelf on the top that had holes for the spools to sit on. Oh my God, my mom totally has that. And it's like yeah. a mustard yellow on the bottom. Yes, and like and that's exactly it. That's exactly Oh my God, it. my mom still has that. Yeah. I don't have my mom's. And it's something I look for when I go to antique stores because, because I tear up just thinking about it. That was like, that was the place where everything went and it was so amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry, take you down memory lane. So for modern sewing books, I just, I, there are a bunch that I've used that I wanted to, to raise. DIY uh, Daisy, Sew It Yourself is lovely. It starts at the beginning by defining a lot of the terms for you. Like, what does it mean to have a double folded hem? And, Mm. you know, if you're doing the thing she's going to tell you to do later, what is that? What's the definition for that? What's bias tape? How do you make it? Things like that. So I, I, I appreciate that. And of course, it's these simple shapes that make these boxy garments that may or may not be your style. They're normally not my style. And yet somehow I'm loving them. But uh, but anyway, that's a that's a thing to to pay attention to there. Um, Jenny Rushmore's Ahead of the Curve came out a couple of years ago, and this is a book that really is focused on fat bodies and making adjustments for common things that all bodies may need, but fat bodies may need in spades. And I appreciate that. It also comes with six or seven patterns, and all of those are designed again with fat bodies in mind, which is marvelous fat models throughout the 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 book um i think there are episodes we've talked about this previously there's certainly a lot of data on jenny's website cashmerette.com where you can learn more about the book and there are lots of youtube videos that walk you through different patterns from the book 
And those patterns are included in the book. There's no, yes. is there PDF versions or it's just the paper? Yeah, they're PDF versions plus paper versions. So you, oh. when you get the book, you get a place you can go to and download with a, I think a password, but yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's helpful. So one of the books that I was going to talk about is, um, it's been pretty popular. Um, this Sonia Phillips act of sewing. And yeah. This one, it's, it's it's shy of our of our um normal pattern to talk about um sizing it goes up to 58 inch hip i believe um but there's very basic patterns in it i think it's a it's a good book because it talks about like it starts with um basic tools and techniques and then it gives you these four patterns a top a skirt trousers and a shirt and then it talks about all these different types of adjustments you can do like changing the seams how to lengthen and shorten things I mean things like sometimes you get a pattern and says here's the length and shorten line but when I first started I was like I lengthened it now it doesn't match like the, because it changes a lot and I didn't know how to fix that. And so I just kind of fudged it, which worked out fine, but this, um, (laughs) how you're supposed to do it, you know, shoulder adjustments, bust and chest adjustments, rise and seat adjustments. And then it talks about modifying it and how you might want to change things for your style or, you know, just things that you like better and ways to embellish things. And then it talks about combining patterns together. So, um, you know, ways that you might make a jumpsuit out of pants and a top. And I think that's a really nice thing. It comes with the patterns just in the back. I don't think there's any PDF things for it, but it's, um, it's got, I think some of these patterns might be available online, but there's a, there's a, like an envelope in the back that stores the patterns. They are very simple patterns though. So I think they might be kind of simple to trace. Um, but anyways, I I think there this is a nice little book here. That's absolutely wonderful. Um, another book that I actually give to new sewists that I meet often is the um, the Sewing Machine Accessory Bible, oh. and this is a really cool book that has basically on each each page has a type of presser foot with a photo essay or not each page but you know multiple pages with a photo essay on how to use the foot why did you not tell me about this before and an explanation of i don't know apparently i think you're just a really experienced sewist an explanation (laughs) of what the foot does and some practical suggestions for actually using it right so um an example might be that it shows you how to use a ruffle foot to ruffle a ribbon how you would insert a ruffled strip using it, how to make a frill or gathered or tucked skirts or a lacy edge or how to gather a veil. And all of this is illustrated with photos. Oh my God, I need this. Yeah, I mean, 100%, like everybody needs this. This um, is this is a book that you put right next to your sewing machine. <laughs> and, I totally and every, this. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. I recommend so highly. I guess is what I would say. This is okay. a an A plus book. I've had no success whatsoever in finding this um, in used bookstores, which which also <laughs> tells you something about the book. Like yeah, people like it and they keep it. Yeah. So that's a really A plus recommended recommended book. Serger Essentials is similar. It's a book that's going to talk you through how to use your serger if you're someone who bought a serger and then thought, well. I don't think I know how to use this, so I'm going to stop now. Or the only thing I think I could use it for is to sew around and finish the edges of everything I do. And that's going to be the end and beginning of everything I do. <laughs> the Searcher Essential books will walk you through 
things like how how to manage the 58 dials on your serger if you have a serger that has a bunch of dials it'll talk you through different like the like mine's a four thread serger but you can have sergers up to what six threads seven threads something like that what each of those spools is doing for you why you might want to use a three one how do you do that narrow rolled hem which i love to do and always have to look up to do and things like that so it's it's really it's a walk you through your serger guide and your serger may already come with one of these, especially if it's a higher end serger, it may come with something that's more than an instruction book and is also a guide, which I'll talk about a little bit later for um, baby lock. But I, I like that one as well. Cool. Um, Sandra Bettina also has a book called Fabric Savvy, which is about types of fabrics and how they work, how you sew them up and what you can do with them. It is not as awesome as the fashion designer's textile um, directory. Just okay. being super clear on that right off the bat, not as cool, but it has more words about, like as a home sewist, how would you make decisions about what fabric you might want to use? That's Whereas cool. the, the directory doesn't. If you already know what you want to use, it's going to tell you a lot of words about it. Um, but but uh, Sandra's book, is I think aimed a little bit more at um, and it also yeah I was looking at it um like there's a look inside thing on and in the link that we use yeah. um but you know it's it's nice how it's like okay working with alpaca for example it's like the layout yeah. the right side is obvious because it's the most hairy you know and then like how to mark on it um what stitch length to use which presser foot yes. which needle that's awesome but it's for like 50 different or 80 different or a hundred yeah. different fabrics. It's like for a crap ton basically of fabrics. That's and so really cool. I, I like this book too. To me, this is another one of those books that's just invaluable. Um, yeah. I do think that Sandra Betsina also makes a lot of other books that have some good things about them. And they, at the time I was reading those books in the eighties or nineties, the things they were saying were things about, about how how fatter bodies can fit into garments better. Um, yeah. And Sandra Bettina definitely had a line of patterns with one of the big four. And I'm not convinced it came all the way up to my size, but it probably came close. And yeah. it was the sort of thing where this was the only ray of hope <laughs> that there was at a certain time for fat bodies for sewing. So I have a soft spot for Sandra Bettina. Um, that may or may not be earned. It's based on a memory, yeah. basically. Um, so all of those are places I, I can definitely, there's not one book in this list that we've linked to where I would say, don't buy it. They're all to me are things that would be really valuable in your sewing library. If you can only buy one book, I would probably get the Sewing Machine Accessory Bible. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because... that's, it sounds like it's very helpful. And they all seem to address a different thing. There's another book that we are recommended for our my class. Um, the other one is this fitting and pattern alteration. And this, the one that I have, it's from uh, Elizabeth Leichty, Judith Rasblan, and Della Potsberg-Steinert. And this is what it looks like. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So this book has... Um, so if you have, you know, it's kind of like, it's pathologizing your body, right? But it, it has, okay, if you have a rounded chest, and that's, of course, only in reference to other people's chest, that it might be rounded, but it tells you, okay, 
this is the kind of fitting problems you might have. This is what it might look like if you have a rounded chest. Okay. And this is how alterations that you might make for ready to wear. And this is, and they give you three different methods for, for fixing a problem. Oh, wow. Yeah. They give you a method that is um, at the seam line. They give you a method that uses pivoting the pattern and they give you a slash method. Oh, wow. It's, it's a very thorough, um, it's very thorough book. We should try and get a link to that in here. I'll put I'll put a link in there. I'll put a link in there. It's it's fitting and patterning alteration. This is not a cheap book. This um, yeah, I mean, I remember it being about a hundred bucks. I mean, it's it's an yeah. expensive book, but it's I have used it several times when I wasn't quite sure of um you know why is this happening because some things really when you're changing you know a two dimensional pattern to a three dimensional body yep. it's sometimes not obvious why things are happening a certain way absolutely and facebook groups are full of people posting and saying hey i've got these drag lines what does it mean yeah like i exactly. know that it means something's not right but i'm not quite sure what and so yeah i i think that's absolutely marvelous another one i want to mention that feels like this is the weirdest one. So I buy baby lock sewing machines. Those are my preferred machines. I have a Bernina and I have a Husqvarna as well. But the the baby locks are my favorite of the machines that I own. And baby lock has a bunch of books that are intended to help you with the creative use of the machine and the accessories. And they tend to have a really high manufacturer suggested retail price, $300. Like wow. super fucking expensive, especially for something that's like, a 150 page spiral bound book, right? You know, it's not that much to it. It's not super fancy. It's whatever. But um, sometimes when you buy the machine, you can negotiate to have someone throw the book in. So if you go off and you buy at a dealership, you know, just ask, see if they'll toss a book in. Sometimes Baby Lock does a special where they are throwing the book in. That's like part of Baby Lock Corporate's plan for it. But the other thing is, I think people who get these, especially people who may have gotten them thrown in, they sometimes stick them out on eBay. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I got mine for my Altair, which is my my machine that I love, my main sewing machine. I got mine, my $300 book for my Altair for like $26 off of eBay. And um, and it came in and I I like it. It's really, really neat to have the words from them with the illustrations from them about how to use all the feet that came with the machine and and so forth. But that's that's what I'd recommend. If your sewing brand, your sewing machine brand has books that they provide, look for them in cheaper ways because probably they are not making them affordable. <laughs> look yeah. for them in cheaper ways. On the other hand, from their perspective, a $300 book to use a $12,000 machine may not seem expensive. <laughs> That's right. You but, think, though, if you have a $12,000 machine, you might throw in the $300 book. You might. But the other thing is my serger is like $1,600 is its manufacturer's retail price when I bought it. And the book was still like $300. <laughs> they're, they're not charging based on the cost of the machine. So the, the key is to kind of look for things in other sources if you think they might be interesting. And also, finally, make your dealer open the book up and show it to you before you shell out money if you're going to buy it at the dealer just to make sure it is what you think it is. So, so so that's kind of my book selection and advice. What have you got? Anything else? No, I threw them in as we went. <laughs> awesome. I love it. That's exactly so, no, what, it what, 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 but what is the good thing about the baby lock book? 
they, they're filled with information on how to creatively use the things that come with your machine already. Ah, so okay. for a serger that has six threads, it's going to show you like there's a top stitching decorative stitch you can do with it. And it gives you good instructions on how to do that. And then it talks about creative ways you might use that top stitching. Like, are you going to emphasize a raglan sleeve? Do you want to use it on napkins? It's going to talk about ways you can use it in addition to how that accessory is used properly. I see. I see. And cool. I, I found them to just be like, they're pretty photography. <laughs> nice. It's the sort of thing I'm a sucker for <laughs> in terms of step-by-step directions and so forth. So I, I liked them for that. I just, I like them $20, $25 worth. I don't like them $300 worth yeah, is what I would say. <laughs> Well, I bet you our listeners have their favorite books as well. And hopefully on whatever we post on uh, Instagram, folks will yeah. put in their favorite sewing books because I love them. I'm a sucker. I just buy whatever. Like, I already have three in my cart from today's talk. So, I mean, you totally should. It's um, <laughs> if you can afford the luxury of sewing books, I think there are sewing books that are worthwhile. And if sewing books seem like a thing you wouldn't want to spend a lot of money on, strongly recommend hitting used bookstores and just checking out what's available there, totally both online or in person. It it can be fun to browse through just to find a thing that's like, oh, heck, I never thought of that. But for $3, I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah. Um, it can be a lot of fun. If you would like to help support us on making this show, please go to patreon.com slash punkrockers to sign up for one of three tiers of support. We appreciate our Patreon subscribers so much. Absolutely. Thank you for helping to make it possible for us to keep on doing what we do. We appreciate it. And we will see you next Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Durand. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimdurand.art.